Hey guys, we are Persis, Raven, Joanna, and City, the four wacky co-hosts from Tomboy T Rod, Asia's biggest and only all-female comedy chat podcast. Not tirade or tirade, but T Rod, the way we like to say it. And you are listening to the Gravity Beard podcast. Come check out Tomboy T Rod on iTunes and our website at tomboy-tarts.com. I got this weird kind of cold, shuddering feeling, and I said to myself out loud, oh my gosh, Donald Trump's going to be president. (laughs) It's time to check show. Welcome everyone to the Gravity Beard Podcast. This is episode 24. Recording today in Studio A. Thank you, as always, to our listeners. We appreciate your continued support. Today, my friend John makes his debut on the show as we talk about the shocking outcome and bizarre nature of the recent presidential election. This show is meant to entertain. And we have little to no interest in ever talking about politics. But the recent presidential election and its outcome was so compelling and had so many interesting angles that we felt we had to address it. To us, this is more about witnessing history and trying to explain it than anything else. If you have any thoughts about our discussion, please reach out. I won't keep the audience in suspense. I'd like to officially welcome my friend John to the Gravity Beard podcast for the first time. Hi, audience. This really deserves all of the conversation that everyone is having, right? Absolutely. We're both, what, 42? You were kids when Reagan beat Carter. So we've seen a lot of arcs in the political landscape through time. We've never seen anything quite like this. You know, we'd have to go back maybe eight years in our mind in the transition from Bush to Obama. He was the candidate of change. Probably not as an extreme example of what happened Tuesday night, But that was probably the first time in a really long time that change was the topic of conversation. So by Donald Trump winning and becoming our president-elect, this is the first time in American history where someone that's never been in the military and has never held previous political office has been elected to president. Which was part of the appeal. And that was part of the the change platform that I think that he wrote on. It's like, I'm not the insider. I'm not the beltway boy. And he said, I'm your guy that's going to do things differently. Okay, so we'll get into some of those aspects here shortly. But what I want to start with is the election night coverage. I spent most of my time on Fox News, and then I would stop in on CNN and spend some time there. And we'll talk about that in a second. And then when I tried to try to sample MSNBC, I just wasn't able to because I, it turns out I can't stand Rachel Maddow for even five seconds. So having said that, that is understandable. Right. First of all, I want to know where you spent most of your time, what channel, and then we'll kind of talk about the coverage specifically. Well, it's funny. Because of work, I was out of town. So I was in a hotel room by myself. I had dinner with some people, and we kind of watched the, the coverage. Uh, at a, I was at a bar. But it was early on, and we were watching the results. So I go back to my hotel room, and I immediately turn it on, right? And this is like 9 o'clock. And things were starting to ramp up a little bit. Each channel was – and I was on Fox. That is my source – of news, my infotainment, I should say. You have your certain slant and you go get your infotainment from that slant. But I was on Fox News because, you know, I I consider myself a righty, maybe not 
super far right. So I was watching them, and I, but I watched all three. And Fox did a good job again of trying. They always try to be fair and balanced. There's there's an obvious you know kind of wink as to what side they're pulling for. CNN, I would flip over there and I would watch them, and I'd watch for a little while because I got to say John King did an amazing job. Uh, regardless of Wolf Blitzer and Jake Tapper and those guys using the words we over and over again, which really got to me. And then I'd go over to MSNBC purely for entertainment, just to watch Chris Matthews and Rachel Maddow lose their minds. I got to tell you, I enjoyed watching someone who is so unabashedly left wing, watching them implode was Probably the most entertaining thing I did all night. Yeah, I could certainly see that if, if that's where you lean. Let me, let me make some observations from my perspective. I found Fox unashamedly right in their coverage, which that doesn't bother me. Cena was fine, but Rachel Maddow was unwatchable. So Fox did it, also had an element where there was a guy standing by the board. I can't remember his name. They would you know hit the states and count the numbers. and They're so, all unreasonably attractive. Right. right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like watching dramas on the major networks. If you watch them on HBO, they have real ugly people. Actually, normal people that aren't necessarily attractive. And then you turn over to watch a, a similar show on a primary network. And you're like, who are these people? I don't know anyone like, who looks God, like this. You know, these people are all sevens and eights. <laughs> and they're they're supposed to be impoverished and downtrodden. I live in a world of fours. And I'm not seeing any of those on these, on these shows. <laughs> in fact, I myself am probably a four. And so, so I, Hey, you're a, you're a solid six and a half uh, when your hair is done I right. I, I might be, yeah, right. I think I might be a five and a half on my best day, but thank you. I'll, I'll take that. Let me make this observation first regarding John King. I, I spent most of my time on Fox, but I would toggle back and forth to CNN. And I will tell you, it seemed like about 99% of the time I'd flip over to CNN, John King was standing by that screen talking to Wolf Blitzer. They were analyzing ways that it wouldn't happen. They were trying to analyze ways that they wouldn't happen based on the previous election. And, and just with shock and awe on their face, they're like, oh my God, he's, he's going to win Florida. He's going to win Florida. Well, Broward County, you know, there's still uh, 100,000 votes that are coming in. This can't be happening. I'm going to press on this button or this county and, and, and make, the, make the vote totals go up because it just can't be happening. It can't be happening. Uh, okay, so I'll make one more observation, then we'll, we'll kind of move on as to how things transpired as the night progressed. One of the reasons I stayed on Fox News is because I felt like they were just ahead of everything. They were, they were willing to project states earlier. Every time I turned over to other channels, they were behind, both in, both in the counts and in just in the storyline and the narrative. So, I mean, I do enjoy Fox News more than those other channels, but I mainly stayed with it because I just thought they were ahead of things. Well, because their guy was winning. The other channels, their guys, their girl wasn't. Yeah, maybe that was it. The left was represented by Juan Williams. As the night went on, did you notice that Juan wasn't there? I did not notice that. Yeah, I was like, dang, did he just take his ball and go home? Because I did not notice that. Yeah, I, I guess it got turned over to mostly Carl Rove and whoever the younger guy is that looks exactly like Carl Rove. I felt like <laughs> they looked like a father-son tandem. Right. Yeah, and, and Juan Williams, I didn't. I was listening closely to him because I wanted to hear a, a decent counterpoint amongst a bunch of conservatives. I just didn't think that any of the points that he was making were very good points. But w the way I remember things transpiring is that at the beginning of the night, everyone declared Trump has to have Florida or he's he's not in, in contention. He needed to have Florida and then he needed to flip a traditional blue state, what they were calling the blue wall. Uh, well, Michigan, okay. they, were, they were saying, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, they were saying three things. They were saying at the beginning of that, they were saying he's got to have Florida. He probably has to have uh, North Carolina, Pennsylvania right. and Ohio. And on top of that, he still has to break through the blue wall. Essentially, by saying that, 
they were building this case to say that's not really possible. That's just what he has to do if he wants to not get embarrassed tonight. So, so the night starts and he he's not way he's behind, but he's not way behind in Florida, right? So, there, so there's a little bit of concern if you're hoping for Trump to be elected. And then as you get through the main part of Florida and you get into the, and so all you have left is northern Florida and, and the western Panhandle, you're like, wait a second, he's actually holding steady and not having a slight lead, and then all we have left is is what the Western Panhandle, which basically is Southern Alabama, which he's going to take. And like, wow, so he is going to have a chance. Then, and, and they didn't they didn't give him Florida until much, much later. But he, but he he did, you know, he was ahead in Florida. And I don't remember, did they, did they call Ohio or did they call North Carolina first? They called Ohio first. Okay. So two things there. I One, think, I don't know. At some point in the evening, I had this weird feeling come over me. Right. So I was sitting on my on the couch in the hotel room and I got this weird, sh- this kind of cold, shuddering feeling. And I said to myself out loud, I'm in a room by myself watching the results. And I said to myself out loud, oh, my gosh, Donald Trump's going to be president. <laughs> and I was watching the way things were going. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And, I, you know, you do the quick math in your head. And I said that, oh, my gosh, Donald Trump, of all people, out of three hundred and 50 million people in this country is going to be president. So so what happened was is, let, let's just say, because I don't remember, let's just say that they declared Ohio first. And, and then and then ultimately they gave him North Carolina as well. And so you so he did accomplish what they said so far. So he ha, he got Florida, he got North Carolina, and he got Ohio. Up until last night, Ohio has elected the last 13 presidents. Okay, so the way that Ohio goes, at least in the last... 50 something years. That's the way the election goes. And so he takes Ohio. He got the three that he needed to stay in the game. And then all that was left was, can he pierce this blue wall? And now we're watching the Midwest and and he's, and he's ahead, not by a lot, but he's ahead. And then, and then obviously it went, it went way late into the night. And then ultimately, uh, actually the AP via Twitter announced Pennsylvania, uh, and, and declared Donald Trump, the president elect, and then, and then it filtered out to the to the television stations, and then they called it, and that, and that happened at I don't know two in the morning or something. What did you stay up the whole time? I did. I did not. I, I, wanted- I tried. I could not physically do it. Uh, it wasn't until the morning that I, I discovered he won, and I and I have to tell you, I again I stood up and I looked out the window, and I and I thought to myself again, oh my gosh, <laughs> Donald Trump is going to be president. <laughs> I ju- I just woke up in a world where Donald Trump. Is going to be our president. And, you know, surprisingly, because, um, you know, as, as Chris Matthews and Rachel Maddow were, were spiraling down their rabbit hole, uh, I didn't expect to wake up that morning because according to them, God would smite us all and the world would come to an end. So I was, I was really happy to, you know, to wake up that next day and discover that, uh, in fact, MSNBC is not the arbiter of life and death. I woke up with some stuff in my eyes and, you know, it was kind of groggy, but no, no real smiting. Hillary, you know, was supposed to have her victory speech and gathering at the Javits Center in New York. <laughs> she never actually went over the Javits Center. She sends over John Podesta and he basically gets up on stage and says, hey, you know, it's been a long night. Everybody go to bed. She's not coming. You know, we'll, we'll talk to you in the morning. To which if I was at the Javits Center, I would have been like, you got to be effing kidding me. Get throw a pantsuit on her, quaff her hair. Someone wheel her up there. I don't care. She could get her up here and tell me something. There was a lot of classless things done during this election. 
to do that to your supporters who obviously were so upset it was worth crying over, which I still find hilarious. If you're crying over who won a presidential election or who lost a presidential election, you really need to get your priorities straight. But for her to not show up was, I, I thought was just disgusting, which is, you know, one of the reasons I think she lost is because people realize that she's, she's just not a good person. That was not an, an, uh, an uncommon opinion. So for whatever reason, yeah, it just didn't, it didn't feel right not to speak for herself. Uh, so anyway, so it finally gets called. It's official. Everyone's saying President-elect Trump. And then, you know, coverage obviously shifts away from the Javits Center. It shifts over to uh, the Hilton Hotel where Trump is is holding his uh, victory celebration. And everyone's up on stage. And uh, Trump comes to the podium and delivers a very uncharacteristic but very comforting acceptance speech. Very presidential. Which very is presidential. something he did not display a lot of the time. If at all, or or any time at and at any point, did he ever seem presidential? <laughs> right, that's <laughs> a good anything, point too. By the time the speech was over, uh, the eight hundred uh, point futures dip uh, had recovered, and by the, by morning it was it was actually up a little bit. So uh, people were paying attention, and the words that he had did have very specific and or quantifiable um, impact, which was interesting. So that was all part of the story. So then. We're we're all kind of experiencing this surreal thing. We're like, wow, Donald Trump is our president elect, and then we go to bed and uh, sleep on it, and wake up and and try and try to explain what what was a very un, unexplainable. That was the narrative. That's how that's how things went down. And here's the thought I had to myself as I got up that morning. I was reading Facebook, which I don't know if social media has been ever more entertaining than it has been the last couple of days, especially to someone like me who finds humor in everything in some it may be sick but the suffering and the whining that i'm seeing i find tremendously hilarious i find the gloating funny i'm not participating in either one but i I just think it's just because of the the eighth grade nature of our country and i saw the hey my guy won or my oh my guy lost and the world's coming to an end and I, i just like everybody else i got up took a shower brushed my teeth went and had breakfast you know what it was just another day. Some people, even today, and this is Thursday, so two days afterwards, are still, they're not, they're not sharing someone else's words. They are writing long dissertative quotes on their social media of how this is the end of Western civilization, which I just don't, I don't get. It just blows me away. Okay, so John, we're going to take a break here, and when we get back... We're going to discuss how did Trump win or how did Hillary lose the day after right after this. Anytime you elect a new president, it makes you wonder what motivates them and how they will make decisions. It so happens that the band Cake has a song that may help us understand. And since they recently gave me permission to use some of their stuff on my show, I'm taking this opportunity to do so. This will also allow your brain to recover from the first half and get ready for the second half of our discussion. Enjoy. I've got wheels of polished steel I've got tires that grab the road I've got seats that selflessly hold my friends And a trunk that can carry the heaviest of loads I've got a mind that can steer me to your house Under my 
internal combustion power. Satan is my Stop this car at any time. At the very last second, I can change directions, turn completely around if I feel so inclined. Okay, so we're we're back from break. I don't know if this part of the conversation should be how did Donald Trump win or how did Hillary Clinton lose or maybe it's both. But let's talk about that. I mean, how it happened. God, man. I mean, there's so many. There's just so many angles. Was it fear? Did you know? Did the the one side sell the fear the best? I mean, you could look at that. Was it the the person that walked into that polling um, machine and said, "Oh my gosh, I just can't do it." Hillary is. She's all these bad things, and she's all these things that could happen. But you know, Trump is. He's all these bad things as well. Did they just have a change of heart and vote Trump? But maybe in mass, people did. The first thing you talk about is is voting base, right? Which, which groups of people are coming out to vote for each of the candidates? In a very general sense, one one base is growing while the other is shrinking, which you would point to as to why Republicans haven't been successful necessarily in recent elections. Well, You've that's got, what people are trying to tell you. And so when you look at this election, well, Hillary should do better amongst women. She should do better amongst blacks. She should do better amongst Hispanics. And, and mainly because Trump has has overtly offended unapologetically all those groups of people. Which makes his win just even more staggering, but so, so on. Seemingly staggering. And Trump has gladly offended them and sent them in that in the other direction, which why would you do that? He's alienated giant blocks of people. So you're thinking, well, th- that's why he's going to get drummed is because he's a Republican candidate with already a shrinking or smaller voter base than the, than the Democrats. And now he's going even further by offending them. He's even taking groups that would vote Republican. He's offending them. So, so well, okay, I, w- I want to make a quick comment about how I perceived his comments about minorities. I, I, I don't feel like he was attacking an entire race of people. I don't think he was attacking all Muslims. He was attacking Muslim extremists. But he was using the rhetoric and the theater and the propaganda of elections to motivate his base. But somewhere down the line, hit the, the people in the, in the center that could have been any race, creed, or color, or religion – disliked Hillary so much that they said, well, I'm going to vote for Trump because at least at least he's different. Trump's base got more motivated to get out to vote. I, you know, I think it always comes down to that. Yeah, there's a large majority of Americans that are voting for Trump, but there's so many more like myself and some of my family members that are voting against Hillary. Right. And I think at the end of the day, that's what the kicker was. It wasn't that they're voting for Trump and his perceived misogyny and his and all his flaws, let's call them flaws. They were voting because, I hate to say this, but he's the, the lesser of the two evils. He was such a public figure going into this election, you know, and he has been for the last 30 plus years, that the traditional strategies to attack Trump were not successful because everybody already knew that about him. So any, anything you could have thrown at him, everyone kind of shrugged off because we said, yes, we, we already knew that about him. Yeah, and, so and, and we're, tell and me we're something not, new. Yeah, and we're not, saying, we're not saying we like him. 
those are the things that sh- that should have sunk him. It's- all the pollsters and all the talking heads and all the polling said he's going to get killed. So let's talk about the reasons why he won. Here, here's a couple of theories of mine. He was running as a Republican, but he's but he's not a Republican. He's really an independent for a number of reasons. One, he's an independent because he's not a politician. He's out of the business community. Secondly, he he's an independent because he's hard to pin down on different things. He's he's kind of a buffet candidate historically. It's the Democrats that carry the blue collar vote, right? But what happened in this election is Trump got almost all of those. I think he got the vast, vast majority of the blue collar vote. And on top of that, he got the vast majority of the rural vote. Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, those are all Democratic states. He clobbered her in, the, in those rural areas. One of the phrases of the night was, is where the candidates were underperforming and overperforming relative to how they have in historical elections. And of course, Hillary was being compared to to Obama, and she was underperforming in a lot of areas. You know, some people are saying this is the this is rural America speaking out with a with a loud enough voice to make a change. And, you know, the the leftist coasts uh, no longer have the say in my decision, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, it clearly happened. He won in a similar way that Obama won. Okay, he his his message was change was there needs to be a dramatic change on a number of fronts. And his although his communication was very simplistic, which registered with with a large voting base, his messaging was very clear. You go back to the classic election question. Are you better off today than you were eight years ago or four years ago? Are, Are you happy with how things are? And clearly, Hillary Clinton was the presumptive nominee basically the entire time, almost as if she was running as an incumbent, right? Clearly, things are not going in America the way that people want. So change is needed. There's a feeling that change is needed. And so he was basically running against an incumbent candidate when things aren't going well. That's how he won. There was a, it's a combination of two things. One is he was the candidate of change and people are unhappy. And the other is he was an independent candidate in Republican clothes. No that, question. That's my general speculation or observation as to how Donald Trump got elected. Those two things. There's no question in my mind. And you, you, you want to ask the question, how will he govern? That's the million-dollar question that everybody is seeking. Trump, because the fact that he is a, he's a populist, you know, through the years, he's, he's made public comments about what he thinks and what should be done. And that was, his, I think, his basis for Make America Great Again. I don't, that's the thing that always bothered me about Trump. I don't know what his version of a great America is. And what they say to get elected is generally is not what happens because – Governing is about choices. You get up there and say, I'm going to build a border and Mexico is going to pay for it. And people can go, oh, yeah. But the reality is that's probably not going to happen. As a, as a populist, he can have any stance and any opinion he basically wants because he never told you what he was for in reality. It was all propaganda. And you could probably say this about any candidate. This is my speculation about Donald Trump, is that Donald Trump, the candidate, is most likely not Donald Trump the president. Yeah, they never are. But this this year, maybe as much as any election in U.S. history, that's probably true because he's a professional brand. That's Donald Trump's business. No, but no, he's he's the cult of personality of, of Donald. He had, he took what he was already and adopted it into Donald Trump the candidate. I'm not going to say something extreme like Donald Trump the president isn't anything like Donald Trump the candidate because obviously he's the same human. But I'm just saying they're panicking over that Donald Trump, the president, is going to be the same as the candidate. And that's simply just not the case. I, I never felt that I had a clear understanding of what he, how he stood on a, a multitude of issues. A friend of mine said that he has his first 100 days outlined, and I need to go find that and read that because, you know, that's obviously an important piece. I guess when I heard Donald Trump's acceptance speech, I felt like that was a micro 
representation of who Donald Trump is going to be as president. I feel like that speech was the first time where he felt like he could deliver a message as a president versus what do I have to say or do to get elected? True. Because I'll tell you, through this whole process, I, I've watched I've watched older videos of his comments, and they are very well thought out. They're delivered calmly and succinctly, and they're valid. They kind of go towards I, where I come from. I'm a fiscal conservative, and I'm a little more socially moderate. I'm like, okay, I can get down with this. Let's you know, let's reduce big government and blah blah blah, and cut taxes and just let us live our lives and grow businesses and and raise our families however you see fit. Just stop the interference. That's why I call myself a republicanarian. But and it was not the Donald that we saw on the campaign trail. So I I hope you're right. Talking to a friend of mine last night, and he kept saying, "No, oh, I think it's going to be this." And I said, "Hey, you don't know what it's going to be. I really don't. I, that's how I feel. I don't know." And I'm not worried about it. Strangely, I'm not that concerned about it. I still, it's hard to say that Donald Trump's going to be the president of the United States, but. I was with everyone else and I was very disappointed that, that, this is the, that these are the two options I have and I don't like either one of my options. However, I was, I was hoping that Donald Trump would get elected because I don't think that things are going well in our country. It's just as simple as that. I just don't on a number of fronts. And I do think that Hillary Clinton would be four more years of similar to what we have, uh, maybe even eight years, who knows. And so for, for that reason, I had to choose between these two, two terrible options, and I just felt like change was necessary. And I was making a distinction between Donald Trump, the candidate, who was outrageous, and who I thought Donald Trump, the president, would be. And he's got plenty of things to not like about him. I, I would sure. never argue against that. I right. just don't think he's those extreme things that people are saying the last couple of days uh, on social media and elsewhere. And so how about this prediction? I think he might be a good president. I think the next four years might go really well. I think the country could prosper. I think good things could turn around. I think they could unite. I, I think that some version of what he's set out to do, no matter how clear or not clear he's communicated, I think things could be very positive over the next four years. I'm willing to speculate that that's possible. Some people might get mad at me for saying this. Re Reagan was not a genius by any stretch of the imagination. He's a very good communicator. But as a person who governed, he was very good about playing both sides and making things happen. But he surrounded himself with very good people. Uh, and I think that's been maybe the downfall uh, lately of, of our politicians is especially our presidents is they they don't surround them. They surround themselves with people that exclusively share their beliefs. I think Donald is willing as a business person to, to forgo that, you know, it's like best idea in the, in the room wins because if that's the case, that makes me feel okay. <laughs> well, I'm very curious to see what happens when the, the leader of the free world is not a politician. I, right. I'm optimistic about it, and maybe more than my optimism, I'm incredibly curious as to what that's gonna, how that's gonna unfold. Whatever everyone thinks is gonna happen or how it's gonna go down, that's not how it's gonna go down. It's gonna go down some other way. That's what's gonna happen. Honestly, that's what how life works. Is usually you have this built up expectation. Sometimes it's got great optimism or great anxiety behind it, and then it goes a completely different way. The the country feels angry and upset and outraged. That's one of the main reasons why someone like Donald Trump could get elected. <laughs> I want to cover two more topics before we go. First topic is we have witnessed the end of an era. Oh, good point. Oh, Hillary, yeah. There, there is no coming back from this. Yes. As a result of Hillary losing the election, we will never see her again. Now, now she might be out on the speaking circuit and get involved. This like She may not disappear off the face of the earth. That era after a quarter of a century is now over. Another dynasty has, has faded. You know, the Kennedy dynasty is not there anymore. But yeah, the Clintons are done. I mean, there's, man, what are her and Bill going to do? They're going to have to, like, talk to each other and stuff. <laughs> okay, so, here, so here's the thing, is she was supposed to be the Democratic candidate eight years ago. 
right? right? She 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 was the presumptive candidate back then, and Obama came out of nowhere, and who knows what kind of turmoil happened within the party, but somehow he hoped and changed her. Yeah, he came along with hope, you hope and change, change, and he stole that from her, and so she had to put that goal on hold for eight years, which is a very long time. And so fast forward to this year, she was clearly pre- the presumptive candidate, if not even kind of a pseudo incumbent, and then out of nowhere. The mo- one of the most bizarre candidates ever on the political landscape, <laughs> maybe even more so than Jesse Ventura, because this is a presidential candidate, <laughs> steals it from her again. But this time, it- it's fatal, because she loses this time, and now she's got to go away forever. So her political ambitions, which started decades ago, all to do this, and then came up just short. The level of devastation that she must feel, knowing that reality, it has got to be almost unbearable. I think that's why she didn't come out. Tuesday night because everything in her life since she was an adult was to get to this point in her mind and she didn't achieve it. She had another, she got beat by two change guys. She's just that unlikable. I completely agree. I do think that's why she didn't come out. I I think the reality of that had set in and and it was overwhelming at the time because my my life is a waste. My entire life has been a waste. This complete clown that has no business even running for president who should have been a joke and been eliminated months and months and months before, that's the guy. It's not like the Republicans came along and put up the best candidate they've had in years and years, and it makes sense, a legitimate political opponent. In this case, there's this clown that should have no business even being part of this thing, like like he's crashed the party. That's who ended her lifelong dream. That's the guy. That's, that's, the, that's what compounds the sting and the pain of this, of this loss. Absolutely. And think about really... that. That is astounding. Yeah, he's like a complete he's like a complete cartoon. She got beat by a cartoon character. I mean, she probably couldn't come out Tuesday night because she was she was in the bathroom throwing up. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she became physically ill. I agree. I, I don't think she was capable of going. I don't think she could have shown up in public. And and I'm not saying that as a as a criticism to her. How well, could I still she hold possibly... it against her? She didn't go talk to her people. It was such a bizarre thing to have to to have to process for her, for her specifically under the circumstances, given, given her life's goal. My takeaway from this whole thing is I'm just still blown away from the reaction of everyday Americans and they're taking it so personally. It's politics, man. Grow up. I think what we're seeing in the, in the reaction to the election outcome is just a population of adults that are lacking like a really, truly big picture perspective. You know, go form a relationship with your children or God or something, but for the love of Pete, don't don't put a politician, somebody who's going to literally literally would stab you in the back, as in case of Hillary, up on such a pedestal. Okay, let's finish up on this topic. Does this election and its results fundamentally change anything in our government or on the political landscape? Fundamentally, in the government remains to be seen. On the political landscape, it absolutely, I think it turns everything upside down. For the Republican Party, this is a huge fundamental shift because a populist independent in in a GOP suit was voted president. And the, the RNC is going to spin that as, hey, we won. But I think inside, inside the RNC, they're like, holy crap, what just happened? This is the worst thing that could have happened for us. We had, what did they have, 18 candidates at the beginning on that stage? And they got down to a populist independent. I think that scares the hell out of the RNC. You know, the super conservatives, they're just, they've been marginalized. They don't have the the party as it exists today and will probably in the near future as things go along. You know, it doesn't exist. I thought that Paul Ryan's 
post-election speech was very interesting. I liked it. I liked what he had to say. He left himself a lot of room. He was he was positive about it, but you know, I, I think in the back of his head, he's like, "Oh my gosh, where is this going to go?" Like, who who is the Republican Party? Is is the right question to ask right now? And and that's and they don't know the answer to that question at the moment. But you know, you look at the way that the Senate and the House went down. Most of the incumbents won. Most of the old, and they're mostly hardline. They might even be hardline Tea Partiers from from the last time things shuffled. I'm somebody who can almost I can rationalize almost anything. You know, I can have that conversation in my head. You know, fortunately, I was taught how to think. And this one's tough. The Chicago Cubs win their first World Series in 108 years, and Donald Trump is elected president. It's like, what's next? That's exactly right. That's my question. What's can't, next? I can't wait to find out. It's going to be amazing. Uh, so there you go. That's our time together, John. Uh, thanks for coming on the show for the first time. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And I look forward to talking about, you know, I'm you, you and I, our, our conversations go down rabbit holes like crazy on pop culture and things like that so uh we put the political thing to bed and let's move on to the things that make us laugh john do you have any parting words of wisdom to share with us yeah um just stop being stupid everybody you know it's a disease that can be stopped if you just step back and, and yeah just stop being stupid if you wake up in the morning and you realize that you're incredibly stupid, just know that there's hope for you. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll help you through it. We'll 12-step it, you know, if you, if you really feel you need it. Now, some people like to be chronically stupid. I can't do anything about that, and I try to avoid you. So, Okay, thanks again. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Good news regarding our ongoing intern drama. The problems between Nigel and Kenny may actually be resolving themselves. Nigel's been contacted by his old band, Blocus. Apparently, they're planning a reunion slash farewell tour. And of course, they can't do that without their most trusted and capable roadie. So, Nigel's last day may be on the horizon. Meanwhile, I keep walking in on Kenny sobbing uncontrollably. He's usually going through pictures on his phone from his recent trip back home. He's obviously homesick. So, I might be resolving one problem while another one is looming. You can listen to the Gravity Beard podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere else you consume podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at The Gravity Beard. And of course, we're on Facebook. You can also email us at contactthebeard at gmail.com. We definitely want to hear from you. Hey, Liam, what's our theme song? In the Mugs by Jake Dexter. That's right. And you can find him all over the internet by searching Jake Dexter or Jake Dexter Music. In our intro, we use the song Nugget from the 1996 album Fashion Nugget by Cake. During our mini segment, we use two more songs from Cake. Palm of Your Hand from the 2004 album Pressure Chief, and Satan is My Motor from the 1998 album Prolonging the Magic. And now we're treating you to Quitting Time by Patrick Lee, CC by NCSA 3.0. Search for it by name at freemusicarchive.org. Here's what's coming up on the show. Our next episode should be our NFL midseason show. Greg, Scott, and Warren will come back to discuss our preseason predictions. Then we'll help Ivan ward off Alzheimer's and dementia as we discuss hypotheticals. And big news, YouTube star Lisa Gale Allred, who sings Three Second Rule, is joining us in studio to tell us what it's like to go viral. Until next time, this is the Gravity Beard Podcast. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast. Trump's going to... He gonna get me back my piece of the world and not gonna let the, the brownies and everybody come around and take my stuff. It's politics, man. Grow up. Yeah, he's a complete cartoon. She got beat by a cartoon character. No, the girl from Ipanema makes me sway my hips. Yeah, honestly, I, I need a nap right now.
Hashtag not my podcaster. Hashtag not my podcaster.